0: Hey, hello, welcome back to the show. It is your host, Matt Browning. So glad to have you here, and very, very excited about today. Hope you're having a good week so far. I got a treat for you. I have a a friend of mine I've been uh, wanting to connect with for a good little while, and we have. Uh, We've been at at the same events many different times now, continuously hanging out, and my favorite time is always kind of that VIP after-party time uh, with this lady. She is a hoot. She is brilliant and she has been through a ton in the entrepreneurial journey. We're gonna talk all about that today. My guest today is Debbie Dashinger. She's a media visibility strategist and uh, she does book writing coaching. She produces book series, uh, anthology books as we call those, with multiple different uh, authors. She's a three-time best-selling author herself. She's been in 13 different anthology books. She's been interviewed on over 900 media outlets. And she offers visibility strategy sessions for helping to get a personalized plan to get you and yourself out there. So she's a huge, huge PR star. She's been featured on the cover of Spirit, My Authentic Life, and other published magazines. Uh, she's been a keynote speaker at the Women's Calgary Red Carpet Event, Global Influence Summit, the Business Success Summit, Los Angeles Conscious Life Expo, San Francisco's New Living Expo. She has been a in this world. She's also been a red carpet host uh, for quite some time, doing interviews at events like the Unstoppable Gala, uh, the John Wooden Global Leadership Awards, working with NBA basketball champions who have worked with John Wooden as well. She is a rock star. Welcome to the show, Debbie Dashinger. How are you?
1: Oh, Matt, I'm so good, and I'm so excited to be hanging out with you today. Any chance to be with you, so thank you for having me.
0: Hey, even a, a call in a Zoom, it's still a hangout. And you know, so it's funny sometimes. People that I love so dearly, the only chance we get to really see each other because our lives are so busy is when we sit down and make time for these interviews. So I'm excited <laughs> to get to know you a little better. Um, you, so mm-hmm. you've been all over the the place um, in, in in this business world. My big, my biggest question always for someone like you you're you're pretty unstoppable yourself, and you're pretty driven. Were you always like this? How did you grow up? Um, were you one of those kids with a lemonade stand at 5 or were you you know on track somewhere else and doing different things how did you how did you grow up and how did you start attitude wise in that kind of entrepreneur journey
1: Yeah that's such a good question I totally was always this I was built for this and have always in some form or fashion been in entertainment been somebody who knew she was here to connect with masses whether it was from stage from microphone from books that is so my calling I was not always the me you know today I was actually very shy very shy very awkward growing up because I was built differently aren't we all really <laughs> essentially we're all so different but like I perceived it as I want to be that whoever that was and those people were and I'm, I'm different you know, I'm different because of how I express myself. I'm different because of how I see the world. And I'm different because of the, the home I come from. And I'm different because of how I look. All of that stuff plagues me.
0: What, what kind of home did you come from that felt so different? What, what was it like for you growing up?
1: I didn't have a father in the home. So I was a, a fatherless daughter. My father was a Holocaust survivor. And uh, my mother didn't have a lot of bandwidth emotionally to be with my brother and I and to give us what I think we really needed growing up so I made a lot of assumptions that today I know are completely aberrant but growing up I thought it was something to do with me so I just want to preface this because this is something I've learned in how I work with clients today it's like your work chooses you and your work often chooses you because of the wound, which also chooses you, rather than you choosing it. So my original wound, which has become my message and my method, was about feeling not special, not loved, not seen, not heard. And look at me today, ta-da, right? The complete opposite. So my childhood, actually, what was beautiful was the pain was not tolerable, so I chose a healing path instead. Like, whatever it's going to take to get to the other side of this, for me to really embody who I I am and why I came here, that's the journey I'm going on, so I can fully have an amazing life. So you know.
0: So your father's oh, not there, and your mother is right. doing the best to raise. Was it just you or Jeff's siblings?
1: I had one brother, one older wow. brother. Yeah.
0: So so it's your mom basically being that single mom, trying to be a mom and dad, and taking care. And was it kind of the classic like, I mean, no one has a classic life, I suppose, but that classic where mom's trying to to support and take care of everything, but doesn't have the time and doesn't have the extra, you know, you don't have that, that quiet, Hey, let's bake some cookies and just hang out time because she's busy working or busy supporting. Was that sort of the idea?
1: Yeah, she was a teacher and she was working very hard. And, um, I don't think she was really happy with the way her life turned out actually to be, you know, have these two children, no, uh, major support system. And so, there wasn't like the level of communication and connection in the household that I would have liked.
0: Sure. And so probably, I mean, who, who really chooses that? I mean, certainly there's some people who say, Hey, this is, this is what I want. You know, I want to have a child or whatnot, but for the most part, I don't think we, I don't know, like consciously, right. We don't choose those situations of, of the hardships, but as you're already alluding to, it's those hardships, those wounds, that tough stuff that can make us become someone. how, how young were you when you feel like you started to get the idea of, hey, mom can't always be here for me, like the way maybe I might uh, envision or fantasize, you know, as a little girl and her mom? When did How old were you when you sort of were like, hey, I I got to take care of this myself. I got to figure me out. Um, I got to take care of me. And do you feel like it was a healthy thing early on or and this is where I'm going with that is. I know a lot of people will like maybe in high school, they go, you know what, they're not going to be around for me. So I got to do this on my own. And it's like a chip on your shoulder. Did you go through that kind of a phase or did you understand and have a little compassion earlier on? It sounds like, I mean, you understand it now, I'm sure looking back, but I wonder what it was like as you, as you got into it.
1: I made really definitive choices based on that, such as I need to have my own back. And if this is going to happen, I need to make it happen. So I definitely had some ferocity, without a doubt. And I don't—I think it was healthy. I think it was unhealthy. It was a component that was very healthy that created me into being this very fierce, independent, strong entrepreneur that I am today. I still have that part. The part that was not healthy was the part that said I don't trust. I'm the only one who could do this. And so that's something that, you know, the big part that I work on even today, I mean, I'm very soft, I'm very vulnerable and to fully sometimes open myself and know you have my back, you're going to do this, you're going to show up. Uh, It's still a, a tiny bit of a challenge for me, but I mindfully navigate that world and have to remind myself I can relax a little, you know, somebody else has this and, and it's okay. So yeah, it was definitely by, Nature of how I grew up—if it was going to happen, I was going to make it happen. Mm. And by and it, nature, now it—it it still takes over, but now it's predicated with—and what else can I allow in? So it's not all incumbent on me.
0: So do you feel like you—you've mellowed as far as like um, I don't know, directing what has to happen? Meaning, like you know, you still have, I'm sure, goals and outcomes and and things you want to create or accomplish or or experience. But you've mellowed out a little bit then in in recent years as far as like, hey, I'm going to allow the experience to happen as it needs to happen. Uh, Maybe letting go of some of the control. You had a lot of control early on and left. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's kind of what I'm, that's how I relate right. is letting go of some of the control of how it has to go.
1: Yeah, I'll tell you a story because it's so perfect. I totally have let go of a lot of control because that is how my life best shows up. When I was little, I was cast in a play. My best friend and I both auditioned for the play Gypsy, the musical. And my best friend, Leah, got the part of uh, Baby Louise. Baby Louise grows up to be Gypsy Rose Rose Lee. I got the part of the chorus. (laughs) Have you met me? (laughs) (laughs) I was not built to be in the chorus. And I had to bite my lip every day that we showed up for rehearsal just to do that. Meanwhile, looking at, you know, the spotlight and going, oh, I wanted to be there so badly. So this is where the control comes in. My dear friend got sick. She got a cold and she was out for a week. And every day I'm biting my tongue. And finally, around day three, I go up to the casting director and say, as you know, I'm a little girl. And I said, by the way, I know every dance. I know every song. I know every line. And I could step in. I could do it. And they let me. They let me because they (laughs) needed somebody to fulfill those rehearsals. And I knew every line and every song and every dance. And what happened? They gave me the part. So when dear Leah came back, she was now in the chorus and God bless her, she was like not built for the spotlight. Show she was totally fine with it. But I was like, ha ha I was in my glory to be. Now if you had
0: to sum up on on a bumper sticker the lesson you learned from it, (laughs) what would it be?
1: Yeah, it's like take control of your destiny, seize opportunities, and then make amends later.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Can you say that one more time? I love that.
1: Seize opportunities and make amends later.
0: I, I'm, I'm writing that. That's going to be our social media quote for the episode.
1: <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> hashtag seize opportunities. opportunities.
0: Make amends later.
1: <laughs> yeah, that was kind of me back then. Really? If yeah. it was there, I was grabbing it. I was going to throw my hat in that ring.
0: Right. Get that proverbial gra- brass ring. What, um, when, when you were getting kind of of age and, you know, finishing high school, did you have a plan to do college or did you, were you going to go off and start a business or had you already, or were you going to go and go into like producing and acting and that kind of a stuff? What, what was the dream in in high school going into that time?
1: The only thing I ever wanted at that age, Matt, was to be an actress and a singer. Everybody who grew up with me knew that about me. I didn't quite know what to do, so I hung out like six months. I grew up in New York, and I hung out for six months, a little confused after high school, and I was doing some really crazy odd jobs. And at some point, my dad stepped in and said, you know, if you're thinking about college, here's how to do it. So he helped me to put some information out there out into the world. Got accepted to a couple of places, uh, among them USC. And that's how I got to California and Los Angeles. I moved here. I got accepted into the performing arts program. And it's like, bring it. Whatever it takes, I'm ready to start that life. So school was pretty amazing for me.
0: And you that were thinking the- of, of doing performing arts. I love USC. I, I've spoken there like three times mm-hmm. now. Um, such a cool school. So much going on. I, I, I've been like involved in their entrepreneur clubs and programs. But you went for for performing arts. Did you did you have a dream of like were you going to do movies, TV, theater, or who knows? I just love being in the spotlight. What was the what was the thought process?
1: Theater has always been my jam. That yeah. live, yeah, like incredible for me. And because we learned to be hyphens in school, I also opened myself up to commercials. I opened myself up to film to television. What other medium was available to me, I definitely used it. But I traveled the world doing theater for a very long time.
0: What what kind of what kind of places would you go and what would you be doing? You said travel the world doing theater. That sounds pretty romantic.
1: Yeah, I suppose on some level it was. I mean, I certainly went <laughs> around the country. <laughs> 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 you know, think about it at the time when you're immersed in doing in and, and doing it because, you know, it's rehearsals and it's, but I mean, I don't want to make it sound like it wasn't fabulous. What was fabulous, honestly, Matt, was me doing what I loved to do more than life. Like for me to rehearse, to show up early to, you know, work with whomever was guiding me. Ugh, it was so joy filled. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I was in Edinburgh. I pr- participated in the theater festival there. So I lived in London for a while. I lived in Scotland for a while. Vermont. I performed in Vegas. I always like to say I performed in Vegas with my clothes on, and (laughs) (laughs) was in a very uh, famous big theater there, and just doing my thing. Sometimes the theater I was involved in was strictly a play. I did a lot of comedy. I was very good at character work. That's where I excelled, and a lot of times it was a musical because I singing was my deal as well. So both of those, but you know, honestly, the greatest fun I could have had was always doing
0: that cool. So and, and I didn't know all that about you. I knew you had some performance background, but that's really neat. You know, there's it, it's always I find it interesting talking to performers, whether it's um standup comedians, theater, singers, uh, movie producers, like someone there's there's that weird gene. and I find the same thing with speakers. There's that weird gene we have that. Some people have always been destined to be in the spotlight and other people, it's like you shine when you're in the spotlight, but it's different. Did you feel like were you the kind of person who was like, I don't know how to say that, like like an everyday person, like a, a a different personality? You were just kind of, hey, you know, maybe introverted, maybe just, you know, whoever you were, but then when it came time to perform, you looked forward to that night and then you showed up and they were like, here you are. Or were you on stage, off stage, just that same, like, in your face kind of person. At, at this oh, point in your
1: god! Life. Good question. That's such a good question. I like that you I know, right? Ask me things that cause me to reflect that no one's ever asked me. You know, I, I you, may you heard be it here it first, surprised. folks on this
0: on this podcast. You heard it first. <laughs> this is going to be Debbie Dashinger's first ever response to who am I on stage and off stage?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you may be very surprised. Because Whatever. of how, you may be surprised because of how you feel you interpret me, but the truth is, I am actually more the, I don't know if shy is the word, but I I am that. And then much bigger when I get on stage. And what that also means is that sometimes it takes something for me to get on stage. And then when I'm there, it's like the lion comes out.
0: Like Yes. Right? I, 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 I watch that. That's my favorite kind of performer, you know. The because I I know quite you know there's a in our world I think again even in the speaking world and I want to talk about that coming up too, um, but in our little world you know there's there's a lot of that where it's almost like this is the outlet so I get to have this other part of me show and I get to I almost get an excuse to be who I want to be. But just in everyday social situations, growing up, so for me, like I was, I was always very shy. And anyone listening, you know, you know my story. You've probably heard it before. But I didn't have a lot of friends in school. I was very introverted, very shy. And once I, I got into entrepreneurship at 22, at age 22, that's when the first time I started kind of casting a vision, and people started rallying around it. And I was like, oh, I think I can kind of lead this. And then when I got into speaking a few years later it was this, it was a really neat rush. Honestly, it was like, man, I got in front of people and there's nothing like a live. That's why I love whether it's theater or whether it's speaking. I love, there's nothing like a live interaction, you know, a live response um, that happens in the moment. Do you do a lot of of digital things? I know you've done some, um, some television series you've done, um, you know, I'm sure a lot of uh, like video programs, webinars, and a lot of that sort of thing too. Do you have a preference? I'm assuming it's going to be live versus pre-recorded
1: yeah yeah hundred percent because it gives a lot of yeah. people
0: anxiety but people like you and, and probably i i'd rather be like hey one take it's live it's either gonna bomb or kill and this is what it is you know and then it's like we, I, I feel like i could do my best when the pressure's on in a way even though it feels uncomfortable does that re- do you yeah. like that
1: a thousand percent and you know what's really interesting matt is we live in a world with formulas right Yes. So even for speaking, it said, well, this is where you start. This is how you tell your story. (laughs) This is how you do the three key points. This is how you start to seed. And so that's okay. That's very cool. And there's a place for it when it's done well with service, like giving content. And my very favorite, however, is when all of that is thrown out the window and I'm just asked to come up, whether I'm engaging with the audience, talking with people, being on a panel, that's when I really shine and feel so grounded in the wisdom and the connection with the audience. I love not knowing where it's going. I love not knowing what's going to be said and shared. And I love actually the potency of what transpires.
0: Well, even look what's happening right now, right? Like as this is why I love having these conversations where I I want to know where you're going and, and a little bit about you. So I can just I'm just asking you questions that I'm genuinely interested in, you know, that I'm curious about. Now I know you have, um, you wrote so many books and you've been a part of so many books. Oh, I want to ask a couple questions just around authoring in general. Cause I think, again, there's a lot of people listening that either are authors or would want to write. How did you start? Did you start with like your own book? How long did it take you? Um, Maybe what method did you do? And that's just kind of for the story, but, a lot of times I think, like I've only done two books, but in my first book versus how I did my second book, night and day difference in the process, and I wouldn't mm-hmm. do what I did in the first book again. So did you start with your own book or did you start with the anthology type books and and or what led you to what?
1: 10 years ago, I was doing Dare to Dream when radio was only here and I was in a physical station, I did radio and I would hear from listeners and it was meaningful to them to learn how to create their dreams. And Where'd you do radio? It. I didn't know that. I was in Burbank. Oh. Burbank, California. Yep. Come on. Yeah, I was at uh, KYHY, and I did my talk show there, and I loved it. And then I got to a point where I wanted to reach more people. I wanted to help more people, so the inspiration came, write a book that'll be a new audience, that'll allow me in a bigger format to give them more information at once. So I set about to write the book. I think the first one took me... I'm sure easily a year, way longer than I would have liked. I remember including the editing process, but it was what it was. And so grateful I did it because it changed my life. I was not even doing it for that reason. And I guess, you know, one of the cool stories around that is because I was so green and people weren't writing books back then, like they are now. I wanted I wanted it to be a bestseller, and I thought I put all this energy into it, and I want it to do something. And I spoke with an expert in that field who basically said to me, "You're a little crazy because it's November. It's right before Thanksgiving. This is the worst time to publish and try <laughs> to promote a book." <laughs> so I, I was like freaked out and i thought oh my timing so off the book is finally done and oh you know i want to create this and she's saying wait till january february which is not my wheelhouse you mentioned i'm driven <laughs> yes i am and it's like and when i want something to happen it's like i feel that but i also felt like i don't know best here so when i hung up the phone with her i just got real quiet and i asked the question like what am i supposed to do here because here's what i'd like to do but This is what an an expert's telling me, and I should probably acquiesce to that wisdom, but I heard very strongly, do it, release it now, we got your back. Whatever that means to you, I could tell you it meant something to me. And so I chose to honor that wisdom, that intuition, if you will, and I went ahead and I did it. And absolutely, three days before Thanksgiving, I became an international bestseller in like nine countries and three different categories. And yeah. And I had and, and I I don't want to make it sound like and I did all that myself. I mean I did a lot myself, but I have some very influential friends and they were a hell yes. This is the power being an entrepreneur and having real solid relationships. And when you really require them, which for me isn't much, they're there for you. They have your back. So these people really sent out and purchased and told their tribe on my behalf, and that happened. And that was just the beginning. Then I'm on fire. It's like, okay, what's next? What's the next book? So the next book, something different happened too, because I was feeling very clear it was going to pick up where the first one left off. And I mean, that I actually wrote a whole freaking book right before editing. Only I got this, again, download, this wisdom that said, hmm, it's not the book. I'm like, what? No. It's
0: not the book.
1: <laughs> there's something else that's waiting to be born here. And I got very clearly what became wisdom to success was going to be the breakdown of dreams. But from the point of view, like a, uh, like a prism, I guess that it was one part's going to be relationships. One part's going to be about money. One part's going to be about work. Like it was literally going to break down every type of dream with stories and examples and the how tos.
0: it was a great. big book. And this is your your newest book out right now. It's called wisdom to success. Everyone check this out. It's on Amazon. Uh, It's wisdom to success, the surefire secrets to accomplish all of your dreams. And it's actually book two of her dare to dream series. Your previous uh, book was dare to dream. This is wisdom to success. They're all available there on Amazon. We'll put links in the show notes to check them out. Um, That is so cool that you got that accomplished. Um, We're coming, unfortunately just to, I, I know your time is very, very precious. And I want to make sure we get the last couple things in for you here. Um, So check out those books for sure. And then you also in the in the process of getting your books out. You've done again thirteen was it thirteen anthology books? Thirteen anthology books. Three international bestseller books. Plus you also produce anthology books for other people. So if you're interested in uh, producing a book with you know like maybe a a star author and other contributing co-authors, if if you're a thought leader and you like to do that, contact Debbie. And she produces these as well. You also, you did a ton of publicity for your book, I'm sure. Um, and mm-hmm. you have something about getting free publicity. What was one of the, we have time for maybe a strategy that you did or something you you, you did to become a go-to expert and get interviewed and get some free publicity?
1: Absolutely. Uh, I, I would say, uh, it's, it's okay, I'll just give a tip for people. Like if you great. really <laughs> want to be interviewed, right? If you feel like you're ready for that world podcast, one of the things you can do, I'm going to keep it so super simple. There's two things. First of all, Google. Let's say it's author. You're an author, author, comma, podcast, or books, comma, podcast. Mm -hmm. You will get so many pages. You'll have to weed out. I would recommend you go for the larger podcast so you have a bigger audience, but know how to put your program together, your press media kit, and how to ask Properly through the proper channels, but it's very easy to find these people, by the way. And, you know, if you mail out 20 times, you'll at least get eight yeses. And that's a great place to start. You're meeting at least, let's say, a thousand new people with every interview, do the math times eight. You know, that's really good for you and your book or whatever you're creating. Uh, The other thing is there's a site called Harrow, Help a Reporter Out. You can go there if you're an expert and want to be interviewed or a journalist and you want interviews and you can input your information there and specific categories that relate to the niche that you're in, and then you'll get mailings on a daily basis if you like, but it's for media, magazines, television, radio, and just peruse what you get on a daily basis in your email inbox, and periodically you'll see something depending on what you work in. If you're in relationships, you'll find a lot. You know, there's certain categories there's a lot of call for, but just find what works for you. Submit yourself right away. And
0: yeah, that's pretty incredible. So, and and I've heard of, uh, of Harrow, I've still never made the time to go on. So what I'm getting from you, especially is number one, you know, if you want to get media exposure, number one, you mentioned it briefly, but get ready, like be ready. If you're ready for it and you want to be interviewed and you need some exposure and you really are ready for that, you know what to say, you know, um, then get out there and start, you, you have to be the one to get yourself out there. And so if you just start looking for podcasts, authors, different media outlets, and just, so you start emailing people, but you have your media one sheet ready. You have some of the stuff ready, and I'm assuming you can probably help them with some of that. Um, sure. You have a pretty cool little giveaway, and I know we're coming to the, to the end of our time together. I want to make sure this comes in. You have a free publicity report, how to become the go-to expert and be interviewed on media. And if you go to debbiedashinger.com, that's D-E-B-B-I. D-A-C-H-I-N-G-E-R. So Debbie Dashinger.com, And I'll have that in the show notes as well. You can get her free publicity report, how to get, become a go-to expert and get interviewed in the media. I'm assuming this is a report that you've put together based on what you've been able to accomplish for yourself.
1: Yeah, and much more than what I just shared here with you. Many more tips, yeah.
0: Love that. So grab your free report from Debbie, connect with her. You can find her on Facebook at Debbie Dashinger, and you can find her on YouTube. She puts a lot of content out on YouTube at Deb on the Radio. So again, we'll have all those notes. So scroll down the show notes, check it all out. Follow the links, follow Debbie on social media. uh, Grab the book Wisdom to Success on Amazon and make sure you have that free listening report. Debbie, thanks so much for coming on. I sure appreciate your time and your candor and uh, opening up like you have. Uh, It was a blast. Let's do it again. I
1: love it too. Thanks for letting me shine in your light.
0: Uh, I'll see you next month, right? In Florida? You will. I can't wait. See you then. Take care.